You're listening to News 9 Live Podcast. I'm Neha. The topic for today is the contentious sedition law. Although the demand for repeal of Section 124A of the IPC has been around since India's independence, it has gained momentum in recent years as the number of cases framed under the law have seen a dramatic rise. Now, in what seems to be a shift in position, the Centre through Attorney General K. Venkata Ramani conveyed to the Supreme Court on Monday that the quote-unquote provision pertaining to sedition may change. The Centre, he indicated in the court, is mulling some changes in the law. Accepting the Attorney General's plea, the Apex Court extended its stay on the sedition law until the second week of January. Section 124A was already put in abeyance following the Supreme Court order on the 11th of May. Now the question in every freedom-loving citizen's mind is, will 2023 see an end to the controversial sedition law? To discuss this, joining me is eminent Supreme Court lawyer Sanjay Hegre. Welcome, Mr. Hegre. Thank you, Neha, for having me. Mr. Hegre, what are the chances of the current dispensation doing away with the contentious sedition law? That is a political question. Uh, the sedition law is uh, very popular with nationalists because it allows uh, people to be branded as anti-national. Right. And uh, irrespective of this government, that government, whether it's Congress, BJP or the other, everybody likes a very broad law which says that if you spread disaffection against the government, <laughs> then you, you could be brought within the ambit of this uh, sedition section and you could even be sentenced to imprisonment for life. Now, which government would not love a law like that? You may, there are so, uh, so many governments that come and go. You may not be fond of every government, but if you are not fond of a government and you say so, would it be spreading disaffection? <laughs> Obviously not. So the same, and uh, if, if such a law is uh, is interpreted so broadly, then it would be unconstitutional. So the Supreme Court, way back in the 1960s, said, "No, no, no, no. The section is not meant to be read like that. It is only uh, where there is an actual incitement to violence, and that violence occurs, <laughs> that maybe you can use this law." Now the gloss that the Supreme Court put on the reading down that it did in uh, in 1962 in the Kedarnath case. No government ever goes by that. No policeman goes by that. If the policeman can't find and any other sections, uh, tough sections which he can invoke against you, he can always say, oh, this fellow is speaking against the government. He's bringing uh, disaffection against it. So let's lock him up. Then, that they, uh, then he will have a, he'll have trouble getting bail because after all, this is an uh, action under which there can be imprisonment for life. So by the time the courts bail him out, etc., etc., he will have learned his lesson. This kind of overbroad law is actually unconstitutional and it deserves to be struck down. Okay. All right. Mr. Hegre, help us understand what is so dangerous about the law that it is called draconian. If I were to say that uh, I hate this government, this government has done nothing for the people. Hmm. The uh, inflation is at an all-time high. Uh, the people are suffering. The sooner that this government goes, it is better. <laughs> now, this is legitimate political criticism. Correct. But at the same point of time, because I'm saying it to you and this will go out on a podcast, 
this could be interpreted to be uh, spreading disaffection against the state. Mm -hmm. And if a prosecution were to be sanctioned by the government, then uh, uh, there is a prospect of a of a trial and an indeterminate sentence which might even extend to life imprisonment. Okay. Don't you think that is draconian? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What? How can you by law compel me right. to love the government? All right. So should it be scrapped altogether or, or maybe allowed to stay in the IPC with some amendments? See, the, it all boils down to what kind of a freedom-loving people we are. We are, as a country, are, are prone to be told that, no, 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 keep your place, don't speak out of turn, uh, shut up. So, like, it happens within families, it happens within right. organizations. And this is the same kind of thinking which is now taken on a larger scale. This was a law which was made by the British. <laughs> and, uh, and the British brought it basically to silence freedom fighters. Mm -hmm. After the independence, you should have got rid of it. You should have got rid of it immediately in 1947. But we did not, despite Pandit Nehru saying that, no, this is the prince of bad laws and all that. So today, at least on the on our Amrit Mahotsav of independence, maybe it's time to get rid of it altogether. Why do you want the courts to strike it down? Why don't, why doesn't parliament itself withdraw the law? Okay, all right, all right. Can sedition law and freedom of speech coexist? In my opinion, no. Because, uh, you see, there's a definition of what is a free country given by a, a gentleman called Nathan Sharansky, mm -hmm. who was a dissident in Soviet Russia and who's now a minister uh, in Israel. Mm -hmm. He said that if in the public town square, you cannot call the ruler of the day uh, 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 wrong or mistaken without fear of imprisonment or violence, then you are not really living in a free country. So today, if you were to tell me that there is a freedom of speech to say anything against the government, but freedom after speech, we can't, cannot promise you because we can we jolly well lock you up mm -hmm. and uh, throw away the key. Then you are not, uh, then you obviously will face a chilling effect on free speech. So I don't think this is compatible. Therefore, the Supreme Court uh, tried to uh, water it down. They tried to read it down. They said, no, 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 no. It's not all kinds of criticism that is banned. It's only a kind of criticism which leads to immediate violence. Now, let me illustrate the application of the principle further. On the day that Indira Gandhi was shot, that was 31st October in 1984, there were two Sikh gentlemen who raised slogans outside a, a petrol pump in Chandigarh saying uh, uh, that uh, uh, anybody who goes against Sikh interests will, will lose, Raj Karega Khalsa, this, right. that, and the other. Now, the Supreme Court said, uh, acquitted them, said that there was no incitement to violence, no violence had occurred, and mere slogans would not fall within the within the ambit of Section 124. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, no, no sooner that uh, somebody uh, uh, talks a bit too much, 
and the minister, uh, the home minister concerned or uh, whichever other minister says, oh, uh, teach these people a lesson, lock them up. A willing policeman will more than uh, be happy to use such a broad section. <laughs> and then la later on, by the time that the courts come in and release the person, there will be a substantial period of time that the person will uh, right. be in prison. Right. Finally, Mr. Hegre, you know, why was Section 124A, which is not in tune with the current situation, not amended till now? Why did a minuscule rate of conviction not compel successive governments to have a relook at it? Irrespective of which party, whoever is in government would like the power to be able to shut up anyone who speaks a bit too loudly and a bit too harshly for its liking. Even somebody as gentle as uh, uh, Manmohan Singh's government uh, they prosecuted a, a cartoonist for some, uh, some kind of cartoons during the Anna movement. Okay. You could not catch him under any other section, so then use 124. Right. Thank you for joining us with those insights, Mr. Igre. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Nia.